Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National with Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. A group of young New Zealanders has travelled to Paris this week to take part in a youth climate meeting in the lead-up to the UN summit. They're meeting thousands of other young delegates from countries throughout the world to call for stronger action on climate change. The New Zealand youth delegation will stay on to attend the UN meeting and to report back as negotiators try to finalise an international agreement on an issue they say defines their generation. Veronica meets three of them just before they left New Zealand. Here's Lisa McLaren... Francisco Hernandez and James Young Drew. As young New Zealanders, we recognise that we're hugely privileged to be able to go to an event like this in such large numbers. Uh, traditionally, nations from the global south and the Pacific in particular are hugely underrepresented at these events, and so we'll be doing what we can to push for issues that affect them as well. Well, I come from the Philippines originally, and I've seen... Uh, first-hand, the impact of climate change on my hometown. I've seen, while well, I'm in New Zealand, the impact of Typhoon Hainan in the Philippines. And these sort of climate-related disasters are going to get worse as climate change accelerates. And I think that um, young people have a moral responsibility to try and uh, do what we can to limit the damage that climate change can potentially pose and do what we can to future-proof our economies and societies so that we can not only avert the disaster of climate change, but actually take advantage of the opportunities that it offers in terms of transitioning our society to be a more sustainable model. For me personally, I've worked in the climate change space for a few years now. I actually did my master's in climate change education at Victoria University. Um, I then went on to work um, for Wellington City Council looking at things like sea level rise and city resilience. And now in the emergency management space, as Fran said, these disasters that are happening around the world, they will get worse, they will get more common. So for places like uh, the Hutt City that has flooding every second year or so, uh, that will get worse and more common. The real reason I want to go is that I have this knowledge and I think that's something worth sharing with other people, especially everyday New Zealanders that might not know how to relate to climate change or might not know sort of what it means for them and that they will be affected by it. This is not something that's just going to affect the global south or the Pacific. This is something that will impact everyday New Zealanders, um, whether it be higher cost of importing products or um, issues around um, climate migrants and that sort of thing. This will impact everybody. Insurance is a big thing, especially with coastal erosion, um, insurance around flood zones, drought impacts, especially with the agricultural sector and the horticultural sector. This isn't something that is overseas and happening to someone else. This will impact New Zealand. Having this information and being able to share it and make it relatable is something that really drives me to do this. And also, like, I am a youth, but I will also be having kids in the sort of near future. And that's something that deeply affects me, the fact that our government does not have an ambitious plan 
that will protect my future children. I'm interested in climate change because, in short, I think this is the issue that will define my generation. Uh, it's a global problem which touches all aspects of our lives. Uh, there will be economic consequences, there are moral components, human rights aspects. It touches on intergenerational equity and issues of social justice. And because I'm in a position of relative privilege, I want to do everything in my power to try and avoid these outcomes. On a more personal note, I also completed some of my university studies in Copenhagen in Denmark. And the Danes, in many ways, are world leaders when it comes to climate change solutions. And when you compare Denmark and New Zealand, you realise that we are in a similar position to Denmark in terms of having the potential to be a world leader in the space as well. And the fact that we're actually dragging the chain in many ways is quite embarrassing. And as a young New Zealander, I'd like to do something about that. I have been to one of these conferences before. I went to COP19 in Warsaw, and it was the first time that I've ever um, had people feel sorry for me for being a New Zealander at the conference, because normally you travel overseas and you say, where are you from? And you say, New Zealand. And people are like, that's great, wow, your country's so beautiful. But at these conferences, New Zealand's so well known for dragging the chain and for um, not putting out ambitious targets and for disrupting some of the things that are going on that other youth and other NGOs actually sort of feel sorry for you for coming from New Zealand and having to represent that. At so the it's an embarrassment. Level. Yeah, it is. It's a personal embarrassment. One of the arguments that's been held up for slow or inaction on climate change is the cost. But listening to you, I hear that the cost of inaction is now starting to exceed the cost of the transitioning and getting out of fossil fuels. And it's not just about, you know, the cost of inaction. It's also the fact that we're not looking at the opportunities like that transitioning to a more sustainable economy offers. Um, the green jobs create more than jobs in sunset industries like the coal industry. So if we invest aggressively in, like, renewables, we can create, like, new industries in New Zealand and we can create more jobs with green jobs. And in terms of cost, we see from the business sector in fact, a call for more action in this space. The two most risk-averse industries on the planet, namely the insurance sector and the finance providers, are both calling for more ambitious climate commitments because they know the huge, huge risks we face if we do nothing about this problem. There's even the argument that some of the reinsurers have made that a world that warms beyond two degrees is becoming uninsurable. And I guess with that it also, if other countries are seen to be doing more in this space and greening their economies and transitioning and we're lagging behind, what impact will that have on our trading relationships? So how do we actually keep up with the rest of the world to maintain our sort of same level of trading? What do you guys make out of the fact that you are not the generation who's caused it? It's your parents' Generation, so I'd be curious to hear just what conversations you have at home. Now, you are the guys who will have to deal with it and are dealing with it, but you haven't actually caused it. We're inheriting it, and we're now part of the problem. I have a car, so we've been brought up in this system, and we're part of the system. 
but there is a bit of um, resentment, I guess, for uh, the generation that has caused it if they don't do something to fix it, if they're not actively trying to fix it. Um, so I have conversations at home all the time. I come from a farm um, and agriculture and climate change. There is a sort of a lot of debates around that, especially with um, previous um, emissions um, policies. And I'm very lucky that I have two very supportive parents um, who uh, are quite happy to admit that climate change is a real thing. I, I struggle to think of climate deniers as sort of this real entity anymore. Um, it's, it's sort of those that are uneducated about climate change and then those that actually have a vested interest in spreading misinformation to the public. It's definitely frustrating seeing um, people who have caused the problem dragging the chain in terms of inaction. But, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily you can frame it down as a generational issue. There's plenty of um, allies that we have, like, you know, who are older, who've recognised that they've been part of the problem and that they're trying to do the, what they can to make the world a better place for their grandkids and for us as well. So when you all get there, what will you be able to actually do? You mentioned before that you will be able to be within the actual COP21 conference, within the meeting. Will you be observing? Will you be able to contribute? Will you have events outside? We do get accreditation. We will have um, six of the delegates in each week, so for the two-week conference. We get to meet with the New Zealand negotiators each day which we're really lucky to be able to do that, to hear um, what they're doing. We get to request if we have an interest in something like climate finance, we can talk to the person that's negotiating around that. So aside from that, we go to other events. We can sit in the plenary sessions and um, watch and observe. And our policy people will definitely be doing that and monitoring every line that they um, are putting into the document. I guess for me, the main opportunity at the thing will be I guess how we use that to influence things back home, and how we're able to expose the lack of action behind the rhetoric of a clean, green New Zealand, and I guess urge our leaders to do more. It's an ambitious goal, what we hope and expect to come out of COP21 or this Paris Climate Summit. It should be legally binding, but for me, one of the most important things that it would be a a truly global agreement. Previously under Kyoto, we had the separation into two worlds, developed and developing countries. This should really involve everybody. How do you think will we or should we deal with being fair about this? This is why this agreement has taken so long. Mm. So the issues around climate justice have been going on for as long as these negotiations have been going on. So developed countries who have used fossil fuels to power their economy and to get where they are today, should they you know, pay more because of that sort of legacy? I don't have the answer to that. I think there's a lot of things around climate finance, Green Climate Fund, providing uh, compensation in the form of loss and damage. I think those are really important things that should remain in the agreement and that should be actioned and should be prioritised by countries like New Zealand, especially with regard to the Pacific what we do know is that we have a carbon budget, which is the amount of carbon we can now emit going forward. And if we exhaust that budget, the climate will increase in temperature beyond safe levels. And 
the fact that uh, developed countries, most notably New Zealand, are uh, on track to exhaust what many believe to be more than their fair share of that carbon budget very much underpins the injustice of New Zealand's current stance on climate change. I think as young people we can be influential in uh, being among our peers because the youth of today will be the future of tomorrow, to state a cliché. So if we educate and, um, I guess, have conversations about this, we can influence like how young people are thinking today and also how like the people presently view the issue and have more ambitious targets. Because at the moment we're on the current pledges we're heading towards 2.7 to 3.5 degrees of warming, we can do better and get to a target below 2 degrees. But if no one was working on the climate space at all and people didn't see this as an issue, then we would be headed to above 4 degrees. So even though we've only made incremental progress, I think we still need to respect and recognise the hard work that's gone on before us. Even if the targets that are set in Paris don't live up to our expectations, that doesn't mean we need to give up hope because a large component, or an important component rather, of the Paris Agreement will be the review system that's put in place to monitor countries' performance going forward and to improve upon their commitments, probably at five-year intervals. And so we're in a position where we can initiate and influence the conversation around that review process and hopefully see even more ambitious commitments in future. Are you guys generally optimistic? I think Paris isn't an end goal. Paris is just sort of the next step on the journey. I'm optimistic that there will be an agreement. I don't know where that will sort of place the world in terms of going forward, but I'm even more optimistic about the community and city level and even, to some respect, the national level around um, climate policies and climate action. And it's been driven more from the ground up and the international um, agreement is sort of a recognition of a lot of that work that's gone into it and sort of giving um, governments a mandate to bring some of this down at the national level. But, yeah, communities and cities is where the climate movement is at, at its greatest point at the moment because that's where it's, the impacts are being felt. completely agree with Lisa. Um, I think more and more communities will see the benefit of a clean energy future, and it just makes sense to switch to a more renewable like system, a more renewable economy, like a more sustainable and just economic system. So I think uh, communities by themselves are going to uh, make make the changes that need to happen, even though we might not see the national level leadership. I'm really encouraged by some of the leadership that we're seeing on the ground in the communities and within our businesses and within young people. The Paris Agreement will have a huge amount of value as a symbol, if nothing else. Uh, much in the same way that United Nations declarations on human rights didn't eradicate human rights offences overnight, nonetheless they're still incredibly valuable as uh, setting the direction for the world to head in. And having a Paris Agreement, which for the first time ever creates a truly universal agreement on climate, will allow not only governments but businesses and communities to start moving together in a unified fashion in that direction. That was James Young-Drew, and you also heard from Lisa McLaren and Francisco Hernandez, who are all part of the New Zealand Youth Delegation to the UN Climate Talks in Paris. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast, and you can find more stories on our webpage 
rnz.co.nz/ourchangingworld. Kakiteano. Botox Cosmetic, Adabotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.